And I should point out that while this is a book discussion about the hunt for Zodiac by Mug Rodelli, he actually has two written arrangements of his research in book form. One is The Hunt for Zodiac, and the other is In the Shadow of Mount Diablo, which you can get in printed form. And when I was asking Mike Rodelli about the differences, he said even though he is going into his same research in both books, In the Shadow of Mount Diablo went through a more rigorous editing process, so he definitely recommends that people would read that one. And um, the information will mostly come in similar ways, but... I don't know about you guys, I'm definitely an electronic books kind of person. I love having the Kindle, and I can take my entire library with me, also using the Kindle Fire a lot. But uh, sometimes the printed versions can contain a little bit more material and some extra things that we wouldn't find in the electronic ones. But in regards to Microdelli's suspect, Shel Cavale, he is someone who may have been thinking in a slightly different way, because not all suspects live as close to one of the murder scenes as Shokavale did. He lived very close to the site of the Stein murder on October 11th of 1969, and Mike Rodelli had a very interesting statement about the bus bomb diagram, because the Zodiac killer threatened school children. He's threatened to get the school children as they come bouncing off the bus, and he also made a diagram of the famous bus bomb. Now, I don't believe that anybody has actually seen the hard prototype of this bus bomb, and um, there's some doubt to whether or not it actually existed, but what Micro Deli was um, hypothesizing in The Hunt for Zodiac is that it's not an actual bomb. It's a diagram of the Presidio Heights neighborhood where Shulkavale lived, and it would match up to a map of Presidio Heights, and he could... um show different places, so to speak. And I think that that brings us to another important challenge question, and it does not come from Michael Rodelli, actually. It comes from another Michael, Michael Cole, who is the author of the Zodiac Revisited trilogy. I've had the chance to talk to him a couple times, also interviewed uh, both of these guys, Mike Rodelli and Michael Cole, for the Zodiac Killer Channel's interview with the Expert series. If you haven't heard that one yet, I invite you to visit the Zodiac Killer Channel, as well as um, the Zodiac Killer Channel's podcast, Serial Killers Day, available anywhere podcasts are, including iHeartRadio. But all, what Michael Cole said was that we don't want to admit it, but evil people tend to tell the truth. What do you make of all these wild accusations about the Zodiac Killer and all of the things that he claimed that were unsubstantiated, like the bus bomb, for example, or talking about how he is um, hiding some type of bomb that is going to kill the children. And also, the Zodiac said that he had murdered more people than they could verify. He wrote plus 37 on one of his letters, but some people think that that means that the Zodiac killer had murdered 37 people. And I would really like to bring this challenge question beyond just the uh, bus bomb, because do you believe that the Zodiac was truthful most of the time or not? And, um... You can respond any way you want, because when the Zodiac Killer starts writing letters, he begins by saying something to the effect of, I'm going to state the facts that only I and the police know, that this is what happened at Christmas at Lake Herman, and this is what happened to the girl on the 4th of July at Blue Rock Springs Park. And then, as time goes by, there appears to be some gaps between 
the Zodiac trying to prove that he committed the crimes, and also um, taking credit for them, because with the Kathleen Johns incident, the that was the attempted abduction of the woman and her baby off of Highway Route uh, 132, it, it wasn't until months after that that somebody wrote a letter saying, I gave a ride to a woman and her baby. Obviously, it was talking about Kathleen Johns, but could somebody have learned about it in a different way? It wasn't so immediate, and it wasn't providing a lot of specific information about um, what had happened. Like, I'm going to state some facts once again that only I, the police, and, well, that lady Kathleen Johns would know. Why is the Zodiac making all of these accusations? Is he telling the truth? Did he actually abduct Kathleen Johns? Did he actually go to Lake Tahoe and abduct Donna Lass and write the, um, the Donna Lass postcard with the Pines card? Or is he just making this stuff up? Like, what on earth happened? I mean, because I really think that it could go either way. And it's one thing that I'm mostly dis um, undecided on. My absolute gut instinct, though, when I first began looking into anything Zodiac-related, was that the Zodiac was a total liar. If he said that he um, was trying to detonate a bus bomb, but it didn't work, I was like, he's lying. There never was a bus bomb. I mean, he could have just um, recreated one, I suppose. I mean, if his bus bomb turned out to be a dud because he was swamped out by the rain they had a while back. Um, I just, I mean, that's what I thought back years ago. I was like, the reason why this person is saying these things is because he wants to lie to people. He wants to confuse them just so he makes himself look tough, and they'll never actually figure it out because they're going on a wild goose chase. And the same thing with the uh, 37 victims who are, what is that one, the one letter where he says, I've killed 11 people to date, or I've killed 12 people to date, or increasing the body count. I was like, that stuff's not real. No, if it were real, then he would have, um, tried to prove it. And the Zodiac Killer did so much more than just saying, I shall state some facts that only I and the police know. Let's look after the Lake Berryessa staffing. The Zodiac was wearing the hooded costume that had the the Zodiac symbol on it. I mean, no matter what, then, that is definitely a Zodiac murder. Who uh, Who is actually in that costume? And, like, is there more than one person? We'll talk about that in a second. But I think what's much more telling is that the Zodiac's wearing the costume. It has the symbol. He has the victims tied up, and he stabs them. Now, I don't believe the Zodiac was a surgeon. Even if he was, he should have known that just stabbing people six times in the back or ten times would give, create a high chance that they were going to die. So he had no certainty that the victims would even live long enough to tell their story to anyone. I don't see how anyone could have lived to tell the story of the costume and say that this guy stabbed me while he was wearing the Zodiac symbol. So the Zodiac was expecting that Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were going to die. So then, what does he do? He goes to Brian Hartnell's car, and he writes a message on it. The Zodiac symbol, the word Vallejo, the dates of Zodiac activity, and by knife. I also believe that this substituted a letter, because the Zodiac made a phone call saying that he, um, he was responsible for the crime. He said, I think that's the one that, where it says, I want to report a murder, Noah double murder, or something about the, uh, Carmen Gia, which is, um, where, um, uh, where, where he wrote the message on Brian Hartnell's Carmen Gia. Some people ask, how did he know that that was Brian Hartnell's car? Well, there are two possible ways, I think. One is that he could have been paying close attention to the people coming in and out of the park, and what I think is perhaps a little bit more plausible 
it was simply the only car around, and um, they were the only people in that specific area. That's why he wasn't interrupted when he's um, having this conversation that could have gone on as long as 15 minutes. So he wrote the message on the car door and made the phone call to prove that he committed the Lake Berryessa stabbing. Then, after the murder of Paul Stein on October 11th of 1969, the Zodiac is going to do something different. He's going to cut off a piece of Paul Stein's shirt, and he's going to mail that in with multiple letters to prove that he is the killer. And I, I, I honestly believe this in every fiber of my being, that the reason why he did that was paying homage to Jack the Ripper, because in the From Hell letter from Jack the Ripper, it contained half of a kidney that may have come from one of the victims. Her name was Catherine Eddowes, and she was murdered in what is called the double event. The murders of Liz Stride and Catherine Eddowes, two people were murdered in the same night, and her kidney was uh, removed, and according to the legend, the kidney was cut in half, and then put in some type of um, solution, some type of alcohol it was. Really, um, I don't even think we know 100% based on this. And that was included with the From Hell letter. So I think that that's why the Zodiac took Paul Stein's shirt. I did an episode once where somebody asked me the challenge question. Do you think the Zodiac killer wanted to make a phone call after the murder of Paul Stein, but he got scared because he was in Presidio Heights and there are too many people around? My answer was no, because he already has Paul Stein's shirt in every theory but the hoax theory so he doesn't have to make a phone call he has the proof that he committed the crime and if he mails in a piece of paul stein's bloody shirt almost nobody would doubt the authenticity of that but i said we would come back to the point about who's in the in the costume in the hunt for zodiac mike rodelli talks about the possibility of multiple killers and this is in one of the earlier sections in the book but He's looking at the crimes, and I think many of this, many of us do this, when we see Lake Herman Road, Blue Rock Springs, Lake Berryessa, and the Stein murder, they're very different. There are several similarities between Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs, where you have a man and a woman who are both in a car in a secluded area, and I think the biggest difference is that one of the victims survived the Blue Rock Springs shooting, Mike Majot. But at Lake Berryessa, absolutely, it's different. The crime is not committed by gun, it's committed by knife. The victims were killed during the daytime, not at nighttime. The victims were tied up with pre-cut lengths of rope. At Blue Rock Springs and Lake Herman Road, they were not tied up at all. They were not restrained at all. And, um, of course, the message on the car door. Um, there were no messages written on the car door, to the best of my knowledge, at either of the first two crime scenes. And then you get to the Stein murder, which is also very different. No woman is present. It's not in a secluded area. I mean, even if it's not a very well-lit area in Presidio Heights, it's not a lover's lane. And as, and as we said, only one person is present in the car, and it's the taxi driver. That person was deliberately driven to that particular location. So what is there any possibility that these are multiple killers, that there was a, some type of multiple killers operation and Mike Rodelli points to um, a particular um, connection to the Mikado, the operetta by Gilbert and Sullivan, which the Zodiac would quote in several letters. And he says in The Hunt for Zodiac that in a stage play or a musical or an operetta, sometimes you have people who are writing different sections. Like in a musical, somebody would write the lyrics, and some people would write and compose the music. You'll see this all the time. They'll say, 
lyrics by, music by, or if, if it's um, a stage play that has a lot of dialogue, it'll say book by, lyrics by, music by. And he begins to think that, was there some type of possibility that people were composing a very, very sinister, heinous form of art imitating life, so to speak, meaning that it's almost like bringing a four-act play to life, and I, I, I didn't get those exact words in Mike Rodelli's book, that was someone else's theory, but he begins to think of it that way. There's the letter writer who's almost like the lyricist, and then there is the person who's actually committing the crimes who's thinking of himself as like the musician, because that's what the Gilbert and Sullivan connection is. It's really trying to show that there are two minds at work. However, however, the handwriting on the car door at Lake Berryessa is very similar to the handwriting that is in the Zodiac Killer letters. So there's a brief moment of postulation in The Hunt for Zodiac where Mike Rodelli talks about, could there have been one person who committed Lake Herman Road, Blue Rock Springs, and the Stein murder, and a second person committed the Lake Berryessa stabbing, and that person was the one who wrote the letters. I mean, it's an unsolved case. Anything is possible. But um, I think that there are two issues with that. The first one is that, um, I mean, already we have to kind of make assumptions. We have a set of crimes that have been attributed to one person, and we have to begin to think, well, okay, well, maybe it's just two, and then we could just go on forever. Well, maybe there were four different killers. Maybe there were 75 people who were involved with this. I mean, I've done that already on this channel, and you can hear all of my episodes, the Zodiac Killer, Thrill Kill Club Theory, Group Murder Theory, um, and I have countless episodes on all of these subjects. But I should also be very clear in The Hunt for Zodiac, after talking to the profiler Richard Walter, Rodelli had somewhat of a reversal on that, and then I believe that through those conversations, he became almost certainly convinced that the Zodiac Killer was a single person who committed those crimes in 68 and 69, that it was just one person, because of what we said before about the power-assertive personality. But, um, I mean, I definitely think about it from time to time, because we also have a little bit of a variance in the description of the killer at Lake Berryessa. Someone who was estimated to have been six feet tall, and we have witness sightings at Blue Rock Springs and the Stein shooting, meaning uh, Mike Michaud, who survived the Blue Rock Springs shooting, and the Robbins kids, who um, are responsible for the Zodiac sketches, their witness, eyewitness testimony became the Zodiac composite sketches. They both said that there was a perpetrator who was five feet eight inches tall. Well, which is it? Is the guy five foot eight or is he six feet tall? The way that people try to reconcile this with a single killer theory is that at Lake Berryessa, the Zodiac was most likely wearing very thick-soled shoes, he was most likely standing on uneven ground, and the most important thing would be the Lake Berryessa hood, which could have um, added an inch, two inches, maybe even three inches to his height, maybe, maybe. I am just um, being generous at that point. But um, what do you really think about anything like that? That would be another question. Is it possible that more than one person was involved with the Zodiac Killer murders? And that isn't even the whole thing about, like, the music and lyrics person. It's absolutely um, kind of sickening to think of it that way, but where one person is committing the murders and one person is writing the lyrics, and some people are just getting off on this thinking that they're artistic, or 
artistic in some type of sinister way, but people do things like that. It's definitely not unheard of. But that there were actually two different killers. Not just a killer and a letter writer, but that really is a challenge question. Is it possible that there was more than one killer in the in the Zodiac crimes? And if you're going to respond to that question, please say why or why not. What is making you think that? So, about Shel Cavale as a Zodiac killer suspect, Mike Rodelli also points out that he was someone who was very much pulled in to the elite circles, he's in an affluent lifestyle and neighborhood, he has a prestigious job, he is very rich, he's a wealthy man, but he's not completely confined to the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Most particularly in 1947, he experienced a UFO incident, and he was one of the earliest people to go on the record talking about UFOs and something that wouldn't have been completely well accepted by the high societies of America and the business elites. And um, another interesting thing about Shel Cavalli is if we're talking about the 1940s, he was also a naval pilot during World War II. As we said, he came to the United States. Oh, that would have been 1929. Yeah, so in, uh, oh, yeah he was um, in World War II as a naval pilot. And Mike Rodelli even talks about at Lake Berryessa, the footprints that they found have been attributed to wing walker shoes. And he talks about how most likely this is somebody who was ex-Navy or ex-Air Force, because they would be the people who would have been in possession of wing walkers. There was an Air Force base that was very close by. Well, not exactly close by, Travis Air Force Base. It is equidistant to Mount Diablo, as is Lake Berryessa, so said Gareth Penn in his book Time 17. But... I mean, Mike Rodelli even talks about could these have been in possession of someone who had been a naval pilot, such as Shel Cavale. And, I mean, I really don't have all of the answers to the questions, but I still, um, I'm still just very curious. And right now, I really just want to know, what are your answers to the uh, questions that I've said through here? You can choose one. If there's one challenge question that stood out to you the most, you can share that. Or if you think there is, um that these are all equally important. You want to make a list of all the questions that were discussed in this episode and then jump around and uh, try to find each one and just say what you want in the comment section. Absolutely, is any anything is welcome. And I would like to thank Mike Rodelli for not only writing the book The Hunt for Zodiac, but also talking to me personally, because you don't always get at, um, these opportunities to talk to the writer of the book and, hey, what did you mean when you said this? Or you're, like, asking some types of follow-up questions. And Mike Rodelli is still in touch with Jim Dean, so we even got some clarity on those comments that were made at the beginning of the episode. But, um, it, I guess another ultimate challenge question would be, what do you think about Shel Cavale as a Zodiac suspect? And I, I'm really curious, though, about this power assertive personality, how you guys will respond to that. Somebody who is doing this as some type of thrill-kill setup, living the double life, and it is purely done in a methodical way. Not someone who is trying to take out his rage on society, but rather someone who is literally hunting people for sport the way that the Zodiac Keller said. I like hunting people. I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than hunting wild game in the forest, because man is the most dangerous animal of all. And um, I want to hear your takes on the subject. And um, 
I think that that will be all from me now, and anybody can write the show at blackboxallmindradio at AOL.com. You can also get me on Facebook. My personal Facebook is in the description box. And there is always blackboxnid88 over on Instagram, and I will see you over there for the bonus podcast. Until next time.